Dreams are great forces of power in our lives. They drive us towards a vision, an idea, a goal. Many wool growers have the vision of producing and selling woolen products, but given the long and complicated manufacturing process, it becomes a dream that very few ever actually realize. Well, let's meet someone that did realize that dream. Welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So Sue McClure decided later in life to realise her dream of producing very high quality knitted garments on farm using a state-of-the-art 3D flatbed knitting machine. I caught up with her recently near her hometown in Western Victoria. So we're here in Balmoral at the Glenelg Field Day. We are overlooking the Balmoral Football Oval, which uh, beyond us is a sea of red gum treetops. Uh, it's a lovely, warm, sunny winter's day, and I'm here with Sue McClure. Sue, welcome to the yarn. Thank you for having me. So you do something that a lot of people talk about doing, dream about doing, but you actually followed through. Yes, I did. So um, Malcolm and I both come from a long line of wool growers. We've always been passionate about the, the product and wearing wool and the benefits that wool has. And at this stage of our lives, I thought it was time for me to have a sea change. So I've switched from growing to manufacturing. So you've always been a, a mad knitter. Yes. But you have really taken it to... a a few levels above that you haven't just bought a knitting machine you bought the state-of-the-art flatbed knitting machine you really, really went, yes, went you went global on it I did go global so um, we've imported a Shimaseki from Japan so that had its um, ups and downs with COVID so it arrived on farm last September but they actually had no idea where Pigeon Ponds was and it ended up in Colac so that was a little bit of a hiccup that's about two and a half hours away from your place. Yes, well, it's probably two and a half hours out of Melbourne. I don't know. I think they got to the end of the line and thought this will do. <laughs> right, okay. So why did you decide to buy a state-of-the-art flatbed knitting machine to, to knit with? Um, probably because I taught textiles, and during that process I realised that we're trashing our planet with um, the fast fashion and synthetics. So I thought, um, some people say we can't do anything about it, but if we all change how we shop one thing a day, um, we can. So I just sort of say, my, our motto, motto is that we're saving the planet one item at a time. Why decide to go into commercial manufacture of woolen garments rather than simply knitting for family and friends? Um, because I want everyone to be able to wear wool that's affordable and the best quality that we can possibly get. And I want people to rethink fast fashion. And I want all ages to be able to wear it. So I want my garments, and in particular our blankets and scarves, to be an investment rather than a spend. And I want people to love it as much as we do. So just um, reversing a little bit, so... Going back to your life as a wool grower and uh, and growing up in the district, you always loved wool, you uh, grew up on a sheep property and always had this dream in the back of your mind? 
Uh, possibly not. Probably um, it came about oh, a little while ago. I, th- I suppose pre-grandchildren when I, you know, I wanted to knit for them, and I did actually buy a little domestic machine, and it drove me nuts. So um, it seemed like it was time to actually bite the bullet and invest in this knitting machine. And I did a course through Cambridge University on circularity and sustainable economies. And that sort of made me think that there are a generation of younger educated people that are prepared to invest in good quality stuff and keep it for more than six months before they throw it out. Um, So I ended up, I chose a yarn that's um, probably more more interseasonal than, it's not a thick bulky yarn and it's not a really super fine, um, fine stranded yarn either. So... um, I don't know, just I love doing what we do, love um, seeing the reaction when people get um, their bespoke blanket with their names or property names on it, it just gives me a really um, good buzz. Yes it would, Uh, the machine itself is um, quite something, tell us a bit about the machine itself. Um, The machine's a Shimaseki whole garment machine, so see Shimaseki are revolutionising the textiles industry, just not in fashion, um, by producing a garment that drops out uh, out of the bottom of the machine, completely knitted. So sleeves, body, whatever is knitted in the garment when it's finished, and all I have to do is pull out a, um, the drawstring thread and t- um, stitch in a couple of ends. So there's zero waste. So that's what I liked about it. And I suppose having been a sewer for a long time, I realised that when you buy fabric and cut it out, there's a lot of wastage. So we're cutting out that waste. And Shimaseki's design program means that you can punch in any data that you like and it will produce a 3D image of the garment. You can tell it what sort of yarn you're going to use, what colour yarn you're going to use. And... This is actually reducing the supply chain from 18 months to a day. So you can create your design and knit it within the day. So there's no sending um, a sample garment off to the designer for them to say, oh, we don't like this, we don't like that. The the computer program can do all that. So we're um, reducing the supply chain from 18 months to now. So it's a flat bed knitting machine. It's not a circular knitting machine. No, it's flat. So, definitely flat. So how? So how, how do you knit a jumper? You don't knit the front and the back and the and the um, and the sleeves and sew it all together. No. So it's a flat bed machine, but it's got a bed at the front and a bed at the back. So um, it knits the sleeves and the body consecutively. And then when it gets up to the armholes, it will just knit it all the way backwards and forwards across the yoke of the garment. And therefore the 3D. That's what 3D. a clever machine. That Very must, clever. Does it, did it sort of blow your mind when it turned up and, and put the first um, jumper through? Yes. Um, it was pretty amazing to see that it came through. And um, I think we've all sort of seen a bit about 3D printers. So it basically works on that same principle of... 3D whatever, so the jumper comes out. Mind you, you've got to put the wool in the top. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to design it. Yes. Um, 
So tell us a bit about the wool because uh, that's the, the supply chain's pretty interesting here because you know where it all comes from and as you say it's not it's a bit finer than uh, what a lot of people expect in a woolen jumper. Yes, um, it is. Yeah. But it's thicker than the um, t-shirt material. So I spent a fair bit of time and I had some help from some other uh, other passionate people to source the wool. I knew I wanted the wool to be ethically produced and I know the global market wants non-mules wool, although as wool growers we understand why people still do mules, mules sheep. And, and I, I feel that Australian farmers are leading the way in our animal husbandry anyway, and we all do use pain relief. Um, comes from a farm in Tassie where um, they're responsible wool standard certified. Oh, Bowfront Station. So the Von Bibra family. So they grow all the wool down there. It goes to Italy and it's processed in a mill that has all the European accreditations that are required. And the mill is actually um, registered with AWI, so it carries the Woolmark symbol. And I use a yarn buyer in Sydney to source it. I just um, we had I've had plenty of discussions with him about what sort of wool I wanted. So it's probably the Rolls Royce of wool. Uh, but well, it's going Jill, through. Julian would be very happy to hear that. Yeah. But it really is, isn't it? I mean... Yeah, it is. And um, so it's it's the best wool I could source, and it's going through the best machine I could possibly buy. So that's what I wanted, and that's I wasn't going to stop at anything less. So how does it physically work, though? You don't have to dye the wool. No, it um... comes in cone, comes comes in cones. So industrial cones that I just um, thread up. On the top of the machine, there's um, special carriers for the yarn, and so I buy it in boxes of um, six or twelve cones of the same shade, and um, it's freighted, air freighted, basically from Italy to me. It doesn't actually stop off in Sydney. Wow, um, it, it's a really big commitment, not just financially, but it's a big jump. Um, to do this so there must be genuine passion behind what you're doing yes there is and it probably if I'd known what I was getting myself into I probably would have um, second guessed myself but I did do um, a fair bit of research and people say where did you find out about the machine so it really was Google and um, I have traveled that to that other country which we won't mention and I knew I wasn't going to buy a machine from there or get my yarn from there so um, the next best thing was, uh, after I did go Google, I found out that this Shima Shiki was really the machine I wanted. So I've been very fortunate enough to um, develop a wonderful relationship with Rod Murray from Ramsey MacDonald um, Textiles Australia. So he's been extremely supportive and helped me choose the type of machine that I wanted to produce the end product that I wanted to be able to knit. Now, you, you said we won't mention the country, but we do export sort of 80% of our wool there and half of that is consumed there. It's a, it is an important market for the Australian industry, but from your point of view, you're working in the opposite direction. Yes, that's true. And I, I understand that data as well. Um, but I think since I've started doing what I've done, I've been amazed at the feedback with people saying, why can't you use local wool? Well, we don't we don't process it in Australia. So hopefully um, our learnings from COVID are that perhaps we need to do a little bit more 
of the whole supply chain here in Australia and nothing would please me more than to be able to use local wool from our local community. Is that where you're aiming to to go? Um, Say in five years time you're hoping to have everything sourced locally? That's probably my ultimate goal but I personally don't want to do that journey. I would like to think that there's some other people in our community that grow beautiful wool that would take it upon themselves um, to go down that chain and say, Sue, here's the wool, will you knit it? And I'd be more than happy to do it. We've had, I've had discussions with some of the locals and um, you know we've certainly looked... So Rod understands what sort of wool's required to go down the process to spin it to the quality that we need. And, you know, we've had some discussions with um, different speci sheets from AWTA with local farmers about their wool. So it's in the pipeline and it's certainly a little bit more than just a thought on the horizon. So once you started on this journey, so have you found like-minded people? I mean, there, there are people that are doing what you're doing, but none of them are on farm. That's true. And I think initially, I suppose because I'm sort of at the later stage of my life cycle, people are saying, why are you doing this now? Um, And I think I'm doing it now because I want to and I can, and I love it. So that's probably the three main reasons. Um, And I hope that since I've started that perhaps I'll encourage more people to have a crack and do it themselves too. And I think there's room for all of us and I don't want to snare the entire market. I just want um, to be able to share share my love for this woolen product and I've always said throughout my um, career involved with textiles that wool's been the fibre that all the others try to emulate. And they might say that some of them aren't sustainable are sustainable and this that and the other thing but I have my doubts with a lot of the chemicals that go into processing a lot of the other fibres that they are as good as wool. I I don't think you can beat wool really. In terms of following your dream which is what you've done, um, has it been fulfilling? Do you feel proud of yourself for what you've been able to achieve so far? Um, I don't know whether I feel proud of myself. I think I feel um, absolutely surprised at what have I done and I think more so with the uh, machine that I've got and the design program that it has um, about what it can do you know if someone comes to me and you know like I've knitted jumpers for some women that are six foot two so for them to be able to get a jumper that's not halfway up their guts and halfway up their arms so to be able to knit something that's bespoke it's going to last them a long time and they feel really comfortable and proud to wear. It gives me great personal satisfaction um, to know that someone's got something that they love as much as I do. And you, you have a real point of difference. You have a real sort of market advantage in that you're personalising not just jumpers but anything you want. I mean, this is quite amazing that you can design and punch in anything into the machine and it'll print it out any any words any yes. design any any colors pretty much yes so um one of my best sellers at the moment are the blankets with the property names so you know they know that there's only ever going to be one of those and that becomes very special for them so i've personalized some uh, jumpers for 
um, or blankets for football clubs for major, you know, fundraisers for the football club. There'll only be one with um, our local football club 2022 on it. I've done one for Warren Do Mortlake. That'll there'll only be one of those. I've knitted blankets for you know some a couple of ex AFL legends with their name and their footy number on it. So it's they're one-off things that I'm doing. And do you see that as being the market that's going to grow the fastest, or <coughs> um, how do you see the market evolving? Yes, um, initially it was about um, making the garments. Um, which I still do, but it really is about the, the bespoke blankets and the throws and the other one that's extremely popular are the blankets for the babies with their baby name on it. So they, they, the most popular size there is something that they can have in the bassinet, in the pram, in the car. So even you know older children, if they're on a long road trip, just snuggle up under their blanket. What does the future hold for you, Sue? Because um, you've, you've made the big leap um, and you're sort of on the road. Where to from here? Look, I'm really looking forward to going to Japan and being able to learn to do the design program myself and then to be able to scan in photographs and knit them. Wow, okay. Mm. That's quite something. That's quite something, yes. So they'll be um, definitely unique. So family photo or, you know, photo of a scene and then to be able to knit them out. Now, how do people find you? They can find me at Pigeon Ponds. They can come for a farm visit. It's not near Colac, by the way. No, it's near, near Coleraine and Harrow. Harrow's my little town that I like to say I'm near. So we're available on the web at um, www.kilmaley.com.au or find me on Facebook or Instagram. Well, Sue, um, it's wonderful to finally catch up with you. Thank you. And um, congratulations on coming this far. Thank you. And um, all the very, very best to you. Thank you. Sue McClure of Kilmaley. And if you know someone doing something with wool worth talking about, let me know at theyarnatwool.com. But for now, from me, Mario's coming. Thanks for having a yarn. Yeah.